Isn't that amazing? God sent his son to die and he went to the cross. We have a cross here symbolizing that. We saw that on Friday night and then today we celebrate his resurrection because through the cross he paid the penalty for our sins, but through his resurrection he conquered death that we might have life. And that is so special for us. So I thank our team for sharing with us that uh, this morning. He is the truth, the way, and the life. If you have your Bibles, uh, and you can see, turn to Matthew chapter 28. You know, uh, as you look in the Bible, we come to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As you look into your scriptures, there's only two of the Gospels that really talk about the birth of Jesus. Uh, We look at Matthew, and we look at Luke, and they give us the... uh, what took place when Jesus Christ was born, and those are special to each of us. But all four Gospels talk about his crucifixion and resurrection. And Paul said it's of first importance. There's nothing more important than that. And so we want to talk a little bit about his resurrection this morning. And we're going to be going back to Matthew, the 28th chapter. It's the last chapter of Matthew. And just uh, going through the first 10 verses there, And it talks about how the women, and you saw how Mary uh, Magdalene went to the garden and uh, looked for Jesus, and he was the one who had delivered her from seven demons and uh, had such an amazing impact on her life. And then Peter, and he was a follower of Jesus, probably the leader of the apostles. And yet when, uh, when he was under a little bit of pressure, you realize that he denied Jesus Three times he denied him there as he was waiting while Jesus was being tried. And uh, it says he went out of there and he wept when he realized what he had done. And Thomas, of course, we know Thomas. Uh, Thomas gets kind of a bad rap because we call him Doubting Thomas. Uh, He questioned whether Jesus had really risen from the grave or not. And yet uh, Thomas also said when Jesus was going to go to Jerusalem, he said, let's go, we'll die with him. That was his commitment. And so I think Thomas really had a love for the Lord as well. And I appreciate our, our team sharing with you a little bit today, together today. Let me just ask you a question. If you were to define the resurrection without using words, you could only use punctuation marks. You know, think about it in your mind. I'm not going to ask you to literally do this. I'll share that with you a little bit. But if you were to do that, how would you define him? You know, you think of a comma. Some people, uh, we think of a comma in a sentence. It, it, it gives you a pause. You come to the end of a thought a little bit, it, and, and the thought carries on. And when I thought about that in terms of uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there are people that listen. Yeah, Jesus died. He rose from the grave. Sounds interesting. And then they go on, and they don't think much about it anymore. It's just that brief stop, that, that thought, that Time to think about it a little bit. And then there's a period. Period's kind of a downer, isn't it? It's the end of the sentence. It's when it finishes. You've come to the end and you have high expectations. And then there's nothing left. It's just, uh, you kind of feel like you're an outsider looking in. You're not really on the inside. It's so final. And you're not part of it. And then there's a question mark. Sometimes I think the question mark's a little bit Worse than the period, because it was like when Jesus Christ went to the grave and the women went down and the men later on and they looked in and he wasn't there. And where was he and who took him and where did they take him? And Mary Magdalene asked that of the guard. She thought he was the gardener. It was really Jesus. Where have you taken him? Where have you laid him? I'll go get him. 
Uh, she must have been strong. First she was going to roll the stone away, and then she was going to carry his body away. <laughs> Question mark. What happened? But then they saw him. And the exclamation point is what it's all about. The excitement, the dynamic, the, wow, he is risen. And they ran, and I can just picture, as we're going to see in a minute, these women running to tell the disciples, guess what? (laughs) He's alive. We thought he died, but he didn't. He's alive. Well, he did die, but he came back to life. So Matthew 28, let me read to you those first ten verses, and then we're going to come back and look at them just briefly. It says, now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn on the, toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came and they took look, to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and he came and he rolled away the stone and he sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guard shook for fear of him and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. But he's not here, for he's risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. And then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen, his disciple, that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Oh, and they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran and to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and they took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee. And there they will see me. There they will see me. Let's pray. Father, open our hearts, open our minds, open our, our lives to receive everything you have for us this morning, uh, to gain insight into what your will is and what you did and what you accomplished on our behalf and how that impacts us. Thank you, Father, for this message. Thank you for the morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, as I look at these first uh, few verses, verse 1, it says, And after the Sabbath, as it began to, uh, to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came, and they looked to look at the grave. And it goes down to verse 5. And in verse 5, it says, The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. He's not here, for he's risen. But basically, as we begin to look at this, we realize that Jesus died. He really did die. There are a lot of people that try to, or that kind of question that. They question whether Jesus really died, and they've come up with all kinds of ideas. I guess they have that comma. Uh, They can't really wrap their minds around it. Some have thought that he was laid in a cool tomb, and he had just kind of passed out. And he revived himself, and he got up, and he moved the stone, and of course, he'd been whipped with cat of nine tails until he was almost dead and then he had to carry a cross up to the hill and he was hung on that cross for six hours in the sun and then he died he gave up his spirit it says that he did that voluntarily and they took a spear and they thrust it through his side 
says water and blood came out around the paradigm, around the heart. The blood and the, and the liquid there begins to separate, and it was a real evidence of his death. And so truly, Jesus had died. And I would imagine these women that were coming were, well, it was kind of a, a difficult time for them. It was, it was tragic. It was a beautiful picture that showed their love because even though Jesus was dead, they wanted to minister to him. But they knew he was dead. They had seen him laid in the grave. And I would imagine at that point they were probably asking this question, why did he have to die? You know, we, we ask questions like that. When someone who is fairly young dies and they seem to have had their lives ahead of them, we, we ask the question, why? Why did he die? We know that he died back in Luke 23. Verses 46 through 56. It's talking to the, uh, well, let's go down to verse 46. It says, Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. And now when the centurion saw that this had happened, he began praising God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds who came together for this spectacle, Spectacle, when they observed what had happened, began to return, beating their breasts. There was a, a sign of repentance almost there. And all of his acquaintances and the women who had accompanied him from Galilee were standing in a distance seeing, seeing these things. And a man named Joseph, who was a member of the council, a, a, a politician, a, a religious individual, a good, righteous man, he had... He had not consented to their plan of action. A man from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who was waiting for the kingdom of God. And this man went to Pilate and he asked for the body of Jesus. And he took it down and he wrapped it in a linen cloth and he laid it in a tomb cut into the rock where no one had ever lain. And it was the preparation day. And the Sabbath was about to begin and so these women had gone, they had watched him, they had watched him die, they had watched him carry off, they, they actually, it says in another passage, had gone to the tomb and followed to see where he was. They, they knew exactly where he was. Some people say, well, they were just women, they didn't know where he really was laid. Uh, that was back in a day when they didn't think that they would understand. They, they were confused. 33 years old. Ministry just started three years of an amazing ministry. Why did he die? I reflected back on a young lady, 20 years of age, 28 years of age. Uh, she was a pastor's wife, and she had three children under five years of age, and she died. And people asked why. Why would God allow this pastor's wife to die and leave him with three children? We don't have all the answers. But the pastor went on and became very successful. wasn't too long ago this year I had to turn on the television, and it was early on Sunday morning, and I saw this person speaking, and I went, wow, it was her son. You see, God had used her. She had fulfilled, apparently, the ministry that God had for her, and he took her to be with him. And we don't have all of the answers, and that was the same way for the women. They had come with a hope, but they had also come in despair. They, they weren't sure 
what was happening with Jesus. But they did think he was in the grave. They did think he was dead. And there are people that have that same kind of attitude today. Jesus had told them that he was going to live. You realize that, don't you? He had told them that he was going to be handed into the hands of men and they were going to take him and crucify him and they were going to lay him in a grave. But three days later, he told them he would rise again. But you know what? I I think we tend to hear what we want to hear. Not what's real. And that was the way with these women. I, I believe that they actually were hearing what they wanted to hear. And there are people that do that today. They hear all about the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you go back and you look at the scriptures and you look at the proofs that are there, you realize that it had to take place. And yet they kind of just push it aside. They might say what he did while he was alive was beautiful, it was wonderful, but really doesn't impact me. Jesus died for us, and it made a difference for us. I have a poem. I want to read it to you. It says, On a hill there stood two strips of wood to form a hated cross. The ground was red from the blood Jesus shed on that hated cross. That ugly cross, that hated cross, where Jesus died for me. Oh, the glorious cross, the beautiful cross where Jesus set me free. You know why Jesus died? He died because God loves you. And God loves me. A lot of people blame the Jews for his death. They blame the, uh, the Romans for his death. But in reality, the reason he died was because of God's love. We think, wow, what parent would send his child to die? What parent would send his child to to a cross? A parent that loved. We know that verse, John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It was because of love that he came. But there's something else about God. You see, so often... We only want to look at the good things. We want to take things apart and say God is love. But God is also just. He's also just. And in his justice, there was a payment that had to be paid for sin. The Bible says that all have sinned. Every, each and every one of us have sinned. John, Romans 3.23 says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But in Romans 6.23, it says the wages of that sin, the payment for that sin is death. Something, someone had to die. But we couldn't do it for our own sin. We're imperfect. It had to be the perfect sacrifice. And so Jesus went to the cross to satisfy the justice of God. That's why he died for you. That's why he died for me. Because God loved us enough to give his son. So that in turn he may pay the penalty for us for our sins. It's by faith we receive his salvation. And so we look at Jesus and yes he died. The Bible says in Romans 5.8 that God demonstrates his love for us. Each and every one of us. God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Jesus died. That's when he did it. That's that's why he went to it. But 
when we look at that death, what did it accomplish? What did it accomplish on our behalf? Well, it accomplished the payment for our sin if we, by faith, enter into a relationship with God. And the thing we see is not only did Jesus die, not only was his blood shed onto the ground, and I think of what it must have been like that day, but then three days later he rose from the grave just like he said he would. He says, I'm not going to stay in the grave, but I'm going to come back to life. And when he came back to life, what did he do? He conquered death. Death no longer has power over us. That's what the Bible says. We don't have to fear death if we have that relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, Christianity is the only religion today that has a living Lord, a living founder. Uh, Confucius said a lot of good things, I think, but he died, and he went in the grave, and he didn't come back. It was the same thing for Buddha. Buddha went in the grave, and he didn't come back. Gandhi died, and he went into a grave, and he didn't come back. Muhammad died, and he was placed in a grave, and he never came back. But you see, Jesus did. makes a huge difference. And the evidence all points to it, and we can see that. And you read and you study the Bible, and there were 500 people at one time that saw him, and they said, wow, he's alive. He's alive. The women went to the tomb, and they were sorrowful, and (laughs) when they got there... They were looking for the body that they might put spices upon it. And yet Jesus had told them, he said, I'm not going to stay in the tomb. I'm going to come back to life. They should have known that he wasn't going to be there, but they hadn't really listened. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, it says, From this time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And then he says, oh, and be raised on the third day. We go back over to chapter 26 of of Matthew. Uh, Close to where we are, we see again that he was to be raised from the dead in chapter 26, verse 32. Somehow they didn't catch it. They were unaware of it. This was not their expectation, and it's not what they wanted to see, that Jesus would go to uh, that he would die at all and my pages don't want to turn chapter 26 verse 32 and it says but after I have been raised and Jesus was speaking I will go ahead of you into Galilee and so instead of the body of Jesus Christ, what the, what the women found were angels. There were angels there. And the body was gone. And, and, and when they went in, it, it appeared, uh, Peter went into the tomb, and there were the grave clothes, and they were kind of like a cocoon. It was as if, uh, if you've ever seen a moth or a butterfly, when they come out of the cocoon, the cocoon's just an empty shell, and that's all there were with the grave clothes. And they wrapped up the, the face napkin over his face, and he laid it aside, And they saw the tomb was empty because he was no longer there. As we go through our passage this morning, uh, down in verse 6 of chapter 28, it says, 
the angel, verse 5, it says, The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. In verse 6, he said, He's not here, for he's risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he was lying. In verse 7, it says, Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Verse 8, they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy. And they ran and reported to his disciples. And I can just kind of a picture what it must have been like for them as they looked in and the tomb was empty and they couldn't figure out what the situation was and why he wasn't there. And then all of a sudden the angel said, he is risen and he's alive. And we look at verse 9 and 10 as we come to our passage and it says in verse 9 and 10, Behold, Jesus met them, and he greeted them, and they came up, and they took hold of him, his feet, and they worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren, and leave for, to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. They went in sorrow. They left in joy. You know, I don't know about you, and I can just kind of picture these women as all of a sudden they grabbed their robes and they began to run. They weren't worrying about what people were thinking. There was fear. There was anxiety, but there was also joy. There was this adrenaline rush, I think, when they thought about Jesus being alive and what had happened. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like, how many of you like to go on roller coasters? Well, a few of you out there. Anyway, you go on that big roller coaster, you know, and you, and you hear it going up, 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 boom, 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 boom. And if you haven't been on many roller coasters, you get to the very top of this thing, and what happens? Man, the bottom falls out. And you have this adrenaline rush, and there is fear, and I hear people screaming, and yet there's excitement and joy. And then you take the first loop, and you think, I'm going to fall, and you're okay. And there's this adrenaline rush. I just feel that that's how these women were. I think that's what they were thinking about as they were running to tell the disciples. And then they ran into Jesus. And it says they fell down at his feet and they worshipped him. He's alive. He's alive. And it makes all the difference in the world. I, you know, if, if he had died... And then somebody went to the tomb today. Do you think we'd hear about it? Absolutely. It'd be on Facebook. It'd go viral. Everyone would hear. The news would be out there to hear about this man who had risen from the dead. Where is he? Why isn't he here? We know that he was crucified. CNN would be there. Fox would be there. They'd all be there. Some would try to explain it away and say, oh, somebody took him and they hit him. His disciples took him. Something else happened. But the reality is that he is alive. And that's why we're here today. And we rejoice with the fact of a risen Lord. And we ask ourselves, well, what does it mean to me? What does it have to do with who I am? He lives today. And he lives for us. 500 people saw him. He was there 40, year, 40 days before he ascended into heaven. And the Bible tells us today he is at the right hand of the Father. He has that power, that authority of one who sits at the right hand of the, of the ruler has. He has that authority. 
And the Bible says he's coming again. The question is, are we waiting for him? Are we ready? Do you live with that expectation of his return? You see, the women went to the tomb. Peter and John later went to the tomb. I don't know what they were expecting because when Peter and John went, they had already been told the tomb was empty. Nobody's there. But they went in and they looked around. John says, I believed. That's the question we ask ourselves. We know the story. We know the event. Is it simply a comma that you hear and you pass it on and you don't think any more of it? Is there a question mark? Maybe I'm not sure what it means to me. The grave was empty. The tomb was empty. There was a question. Mary Magdalene asked Jesus when he came. She didn't recognize him and she thought he was a gardener. And she says, tell me where you've laid him. I'll I'll carry him away. She loved him. Even in death, she loved him. She loved him as a savior, as her rabbi, as her teacher, as her deliverer. Maybe it's a question mark for a lot of people today. How can I know? How can I believe? How do I know it's true? fact is the Bible's been verified it's acceptable to be the inspired word of God and what the Bible says is true and we can accept it to be true and when it says there were 500 witnesses that saw the risen Lord at one time if you went into a courtroom today and you brought those witnesses they would have to verify that Jesus Christ rose from the grave But what you have to do is decide what you do with Jesus. That's the question this morning. What do you do with Jesus? You have a choice to simply go on like a comma, ignore it, you know the truth, or by faith you receive him as Savior and Lord. That's why he came. That's why the Father sent him. That's why he willingly, voluntarily went to the cross was because of you and me living way down here in 2019. He went to the cross for us. And if we, by faith, receive what we have here and receive Jesus Christ, that he is the Savior and Lord and he died and he paid the penalty for my sin and I admit my sin and I know that I've transgressed what God wants for me and what he desires for me and I've been born with this sin nature, I ask his forgiveness and ask him to come into my life. Do you know what he says he'll do? He'll immediately come in and live with you and never leave you and have fellowship with you and you're never alone again. And whatever the issues are that you deal with, he says, I'll give you the strength to deal with them. Paul made a statement. He said, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. He said, no matter what my living circumstances, whether I'm rich, whether I'm poor, whether I'm free, whether I'm free in prison, it doesn't matter because God may have gives me the strength to deal with it. And so we ask today, What place does God have in your life? 
What part does he play in who you are? A comma? A period, kind of a disappointment. Yeah, I know about him, but, you know, we'll move on. A question mark? You're just not sure. Or, boy, is it that exclamation point. Yes! Jesus is risen. He is real. He came back to life. He lives with the Father, and he's going to come again, and I'm going to be ready. And I challenge you, if you don't know Jesus Christ today, that you come and talk to me or one of the others, and we'll sit down and go through the Bible with you, and we'll talk about what it means to be a Christian and how to have that relationship. You want to call me this week on the phone and say, Andy, I want to talk to you about what you talked about on Sunday. I want to know about the resurrection and what it means for me. We'll get together this week and we'll talk about it. I encourage you to do that. Don't forget, Easter's about the exclamation point. He has risen. Let's pray. Father, what do we do with Jesus? What do we do with Jesus? I know what you did for us. The Bible says that you are a God of love. And I am so thankful that you are a God of love. But it doesn't mean that you just forget the fact that we're sinners or that we have transgressed your will, that we don't live with you or for you and because you're also just. And your justice had to be satisfied. And because of that, in your love, you sent your son. I can't imagine giving my child in that way to think what Jesus went through for us I'm amazed, Father. I don't even have words to explain it. But I do know that he went to that cross. And I do know that he bled and he died and he paid the penalty for sin. But I also know that three days later he rose from the dead, defeating death. And we also have that hope within us due to our relationship with Jesus. Thank you, Father, for today. Thank you for the involvement of everyone that's been part of this service this morning. and I pray beyond the shadow of doubt, anything else, I pray that you were honored and you were glorified, not those of us who participated. We came to bring glory to you. And I thank you for each person here. And if there's someone here this morning who does not know you, I pray that before this Easter is over, before this day is over, they will make that decision to follow you as Savior and Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.